Hey, Fairborn City Manager Rob here. I'm with Megan Howard. How you doing, Megan? I'm okay. Good. This is episode 30 of the Rumor Has a Podcast, and I'm excited today. We have a, a, a guest that I think hopefully we have a full memory stick we did. I to record it. this on because this, this can take a while to go through it's all good. Uh, this man's accomplishments, but I'm really happy to have Fred Pomeroy join us. Fred, thanks for being here. Uh, really looking forward to this conversation. I've, I've got your bio here, and I uh, we'll get through it here, but I want to basically just let's walk through your your life and, and kind of your career. And I know uh, you've, uh, you grew up in Indiana uh, from Couts High School. You're in their Hall of Fame. Uh, what brought you to Fairborn, Ohio? Well, actually, I ended up the military. But uh, before that, we had a couple experiences with um, Fairborn. Uh, for example, well, I grew up on a farm, and so I was, had to either uh, run to town or catch the bus and so uh, um, ended up uh, through sports I got a, a grant aid uh, to Ball State and and but I still didn't have enough money to pay for board and room so I ended up in the uh, ROTC Air Force ROTC program and uh, which gave me a stipend enough to pay for my my uh, board and room so then uh, um, it, while I did that, I get uh, had the, the uh, there's a uh, uh, test you take application aptitude test, and that qualified for, to be a pilot. So in '62, uh, uh, which is my sophomore year, I ended up uh, coming to Wright Pat to uh, get a physical, okay, uh, to make sure I could pass uh, to become a pilot. So I passed that and. Then, uh, and uh, went to pilot training in uh, Del Rio, Texas. I uh, got through that, uh, ended up uh, coming back to KI Sawyer in Michigan and um, uh, flying KC-135s as a air re- refueling uh, other aircraft. And, um, but uh, there was a whole story about that because uh, um, they screwed up my orders. And so I didn't go to, uh, pilot school right out of tra- out of training I ended up uh, uh, going to survival school well I was uh, supposed to be in uh, in the training uh, camp, uh, school uh, so, so they had already filled the slot so it sent me back to uh, uh, KI Surrey Michigan which was up in Upper Peninsula and uh, the advantage of that was is uh, uh, I didn't have to go on a coat crew and pull alert. I, I had to wait until uh, this was in first uh, of November that I got there, and uh, the next available class was July. Wow. So uh, nine months worth of uh, basically, uh, well, I tried out and made the base basketball team. <laughs> I, 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 could, I could jump on with the crews and fly uh, whenever I wanted to, which was three or four times a week. Yeah. And uh, so made it make it short. I, as I get, got enough uh, hours uh, in that uh, when I went to pilot, uh, pilot school to check out in 135, I was already checked out. Wow. So then uh, within two years, I had enough hours to uh, become an aircraft commander. Well, the problem was is there was like six uh, six other co-pilots that had been there four or five years uh, as a co-pilot, and they'd never got an aircraft commander. Well, in those days, it's like 66, uh, 67, 
the airlines were hiring. Hmm. Well, all of them got mad and left the Air Force and went to the airlines, <laughs> which left me number one in line. <laughs> and so I became the youngest aircraft commander in Strategic Air Command wow. as a first lieutenant. No kidding. And, and I made captain right after that. But um, so that led to other things. Uh, was the Strategic Air Command uh, uh, Officer of the Year. And then led to going to uh, the, uh, the Air Force uh, convention that they have every year. And so I was one of 50 that go in to help uh, improve junior officer programs. And uh, the good part about that was I met all the astronauts. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, Barry Goldwater, which a fraternity brother of mine, was escorting. So I went around with him. Huh. And then. Um, while I was there, I uh, ended up uh, um, talking to the personnel, and, and uh, they basically told me I'd be going to Vietnam real quick. Well, I'm the youngest aircraft commander in SAC, right? They didn't right. want to let me go. <laughs> right. And so uh, I had a problem when they uh, came up with my assignment at, to go to Vietnam, which was about a year later. Right. So 69. I got the assignment to be a Ford Air Controller, which flying OV-10s, and so we had about a six months worth of, I go three three months of fighter. uh, They call it the the uh, fast fast fighter pilots, uh, is or the wonder fast wonder fighter pilots because there's only like three months of training where you did bombing and strafing and wow. shooting rockets so that you knew uh, how what type of ordnance to put into different targets. Because uh, when we became forward air controllers, then you had to um, basically tell uh, the fighters what kind of ordnance to use in the different targets. And so then I went down to Herbert in uh, Florida and checked out in the OV-10 for three months. And then on the way over to um, Vietnam. Well, I, there was a unique thing there because I, um, uh, you know, a small town. Uh, there was a chief master sergeant that actually had been assigned to Wright Path that ended up in Hawaii, and so my my mom said, "Well, stop and see Vernie Flutter, his chief master sergeant." And we rode the. He was a senior, and I was a second grade, and we rode the school bus together. Huh. Well, he had kind of tracked me all the years in my sports programs and all that. And so, uh, so I stopped in there and had a two day layover in Hawaii. Huh. So you, you told me all this, you, you'll notice is uh, God driven yeah. situations that drove me to different things. And, and, uh, and in fact, and so I won't get into too much detail. People can go to Amazon and look up, uh, born to live in the edge by Frederick L. Pomeroy and, that's, uh, and get the book and it'll tell you the right. details. So I'm not going to get into the details. That's a good plug. They nice call job. A, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's called a humble brag. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so, I love it. I love so anyway, uh, uh, so Vernie uh, found out I was flying 135s and so he took me over to this. He, t- he said, this is the best kept secret in the Air Force. And uh, they were, there was uh, five... Um, EC-135s that flew for the Navy, and then they had two command crews. One was flying Sink Pack, and one was flying Sink Pack F. That's Commander in Chief of the Pacific Forces, and and then the uh, Commander in Chief of the Air Force. Wow. Side. 
So uh, there were both four stars. And so uh, later on, that's significant. The only problem was in order to be a co-pilot, you had to have 2,500 hours and be an aircraft commander qualified. Wow. And so I only had about 1,500 hours yet. So anyway, I went to Vietnam then and uh, flew my mission to the Ford Air Controller. It was pretty exciting. Uh, got shot at a few times. But I, I don't want to – it'll take me a half hour to go through all that. But <laughs> Sure. But that was an interesting time. And by the book. But, and so <laughs> I, I got my 2,500 hours, and when I, I put in for uh, Hawaii, and I got the assignment. Wow. So I come in there, and because I'm the only captain. I'm still captain, so – and all the rest of the co-pilots are majors, and all the aircraft commanders are lieutenant colonels. And so uh, about six months later, for some reason, I end up on the Stan Val crew who, who actually uh, test the other crews. And so, so every year they have to have an annual and a test to qualify, keep qualifying for their flying um, state, uh, assignments. And so uh, ended up, uh, just make it short, ended up flying Admiral McCain. Wow. And that was John S. McCain yeah. Jr.'s father. Yeah. It was, John was in the, in the POW camp in Hawaii. Hmm. So I think I became his, uh, his second son, you know. Uh, wow. And uh, there was another story about all that. But um, then um, when he retired in 73, uh, uh, well, before he actually left, uh, we ended up going into the, uh, I participated in the POW release. So I w- flew into Saigon to pick up uh, General Westmoreland and his staff. Wow. And there's some unique things that happened there uh, that were pretty exciting. So uh, uh, and you have to read the book to do that. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So anyway, so, uh, so I... Uh, came back and then uh, when when he retired, they ended up flying General Voigt. Well, that's how I ended up here as uh, General Voigt. He was coming back and he was going to be uh, President Reagan's military advisor hmm. when he retired and yep. he was just getting ready to retire. So um, he said, "What do you want to do?" And well, if I can't have a job like this, I'd like to use my my degree. I just I just gotten a master's degree in system management. Uh, out of Southern California Extension in Hawaii. And so, uh, so I'll use that system management degree. Well, he went, he had, he had buddies all over. He talked to uh, the uh, commander of the academy, uh, Pentagon, ended up that uh, he, uh, he was a good buddy of Jack Catton, who was the commander of the Air Force Logistics Command here at Wright Path. Okay. So the next thing I know, <clears throat> I, he comes up to the cockpit with a Twix because they didn't have have uh, typewriters or anything. It's, it was Twix. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, we did have an operator, a radio operator that collected all this stuff. Anyway, he brought this Twix up. I still have a copy of it um, that had uh, John, uh, uh, we'll take care of your boy. Uh, we have a new organization at Wright Pat that'll task his capability the utmost, uh, Jack. Wow. So that was a month later, I got an assignment to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> so that was in 74. And uh, so uh, we get here and, you know, and, and end up this new organization. There was only six captains and a 
two-star and a colonel and a GS-12 and a secretary. And then we got directed by Davy Jones, the chief of staff, to create a numbered Air Force with 700 positions, and we had to do it in one year. Wow. Oh my gosh. So, so uh, the six of us started writing job descriptions, and uh, we had to basically we didn't we didn't know what we we're doing so we ended up going over to air uh, air force uh, systems command and uh, collected all of their job descriptions that had it at right path yeah. and then anything that had to do with logistics we pulled out and changed the changed the names and all sure. that <laughs> and so we created 700 and that during that time uh, i got selected to go to the defense management college in uh, fort belvoir and um, that was I was the youngest one in that too as a, as a captain and had always had a major hire that went to that so I spent a year there it's like a master's degree in systems management basically and how to become a director a uh, program director sure. so they're they're grooming us pretty pretty well and um, so then uh, came back from that well then uh, they had while I was gone the had stood up the uh, numbered air force with a three-star billet and uh, so uh, i came back and to check in and uh, before i got there the b1 directors caught me and said um you don't don't have to check in you're gonna be working for me tomorrow <laughs> so i had in the b1 b1a the original b1 program yeah so you're gonna be the uh, director of deployment so I went down there and ended up doing that. I had to have a proposal done in a, or a request for proposal done in like uh, three days. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I said, well, you just got out of school, you ought to be able to do <laughs> right, it. Yeah, right. So, you know, anyway, that so we did it. And, uh, well, I had a lot of help. And uh, so we did that. And then, of course, it got canceled um, in 76, I think, when Jimmy Carter was in, in, uh, in uh, presidency. So then I ended up flying uh, or as director of logistics for the uh, the ground launch cruise missile with an office at Crystal City in Washington. And I still had an office here uh, as the integration, director of integration for uh, 26 other programs. Wow. And so I had two other guys actually doing all the dirty work <laughs> while I, I went out and did the thing. And I was uh, just made major then. And um, oh, the other thing I mean, this, uh, that's going to be significant later, when I made major, um, uh, the uh, General Mullins uh, got his second star, and I had worked for him. And so we had our, uh, our, uh, our promotion party at the American, Fairborn American Legion, the new one. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just was built. Right. And, uh, so we had that together, and that'll be significant later. And then, um, so then I went to school, and I was supposed to go to the Pentagon out of school. I had the Air Force Comptroller School and everything in there while I was there. And, uh, and so, uh, but I just, that was in 79. Well, guess what happened in 79? The uh, Iran- uh, That's right, Iran-Contra? Yeah, had uh, captured about 53, Americans and and so then the chief of staff decided to do a raid, and so um, 
ended up that I was the only one. They they had to they had to which isn't very well known. The tankers refueled the one thirties when they went in and when they came back out, and so you had to refuel at three to five thousand feet. Strategic Strategic Air Command had never refueled under eighteen thousand feet. Wow, they were all in control airspace. So um, they were looking for somebody with low altitude experience, which I had as a Ford Air Controller, CI experience, which I had there, and uh, and I and you had to have a receiver tanker capability, so you receive fuel from the tanker and another 135, and so. Um, I ended up being the only only person. You got to be a major above. So I right. just made lieutenant colonel, and um, so I go to Grissom, Indiana. So and they had a group there that had they call them RT 135s, or receiver tankers, and um, they supported the uh, special ops group uh, that was out of McDill. So all these little skirmishes, uh, this squadron supported. Well, I ended yeah. up being the ops officer. And then um, we ended up flying in the raid, and uh, that was pretty interesting. A few few stories on that one, but uh, especially on the practices, and uh, <laughs> right, it wasn't, wasn't too good of a result. But uh, right, that's the way it goes. Anyway, uh, so then about a year later, uh, in eighty, I think that raid was one eighty one or eighty or eighty one. Uh, but in 82, the winter of 82, uh, we were waiting for a, a ORI, a Operation Readiness Inspection. And what happens is the uh, Strategic Air Command generals fly in a T-39 unannounced. Well, <laughs> here comes this T-39 unannounced, and uh, so the wing commander met him, and, and it's uh, General Thurman. Well, General Thurman is the new B-1B program director. So uh, he, he uh, Wing Commander, he didn't know what to do. So he said, well, <laughs> what are you here for? Well, I, I'd like to talk to Fred Pumroy. So <laughs> so, uh, so and give me your staff card. He said, we're going to go off and have lunch <laughs> off base. <laughs> so we went off base, and he asked me if I wanted to come to Wright Pat. That's the next time. Yeah. So uh, sure, I'll be I'd be glad to come back. So it ended up that they didn't have any um, any slots uh, yet because it was a brand new program. So uh, they um, brought me in on a uh, to be the director of logistics for the KC-10, which is another tanker, the brand new tanker. And the uh, current uh, director, he had just made full colonel, so. So the sack released me on that. So I came in here, and of course now I got a problem because I've got a job as KC-10, and the B-1 general wants me. And the, <laughs> right. the, the uh, KC-10 director was he was a full colonel, and the other guy was a two two star. Right. Well, luckily when I got to the headquarters to see what to do, uh, I found out that. General Mullins was back only as a four-star, and he's now the commander of Air Force Logistics <laughs> Command. <laughs> so, so I went to, went in to talk to him, but he, they had a big conference, and the secretary, um, which I knew from before, um, she was there. I said, he's, he's tied up. He's at lunch. And so I, that's okay. I'll talk to him. 
come back when, when he's available. And so about that time, the exec comes for a letter to be signed. So she goes in and says, stay here. So she goes in, comes out and says, the general will see you. <laughs> so I go in there. So I tell him my problem. So he said, well, go back to KC-10. That it was uh, the uh, logistics uh, was uh, commercial. There was contract support because it's an off-the-shelf airplane. Okay, it's a 747. And then uh, if uh, if they're going to buy enough airplanes that we want to go organic, then you, I want you to work for that for me. Um, but if not, then, then we'll go to the B one. So I ended up at, they were only buying 80. The, Breakpoint was 120, so I told him that. Well, let's go to the B1, and so I'll f- fix it. Well, now I had to change commands, and they d- they didn't want to do that. The, the personnel uh. guys. So I said, "Well, tell the general; he's the one." Right. <laughs> so about two weeks later, I was in Air Force <laughs> Systems Command. Right. <laughs> so, but uh, so I ended up with the uh, the uh, funds for. Uh, program I was buying all the support equipment TOs and training equipment which includes simulators so my funds were 2.5 billion dollars wow oh my gosh back in the 80s is uh, right. yeah wow. and so uh, and it was 500 million short oh my <laughs> wow. so I had to do some creative things to uh, make that happen so anyway did that until 85 and when I retired and then um, and during that time, I lived on base at Woodland Hills, and but my kids went; they were in high school at uh, Fairborn. So um, that was been '82 to '85, and then so then I just moved to Fairborn. Right. Uh, so the kids wouldn't have to move, and same place I'm living now in Southlawn, <laughs> and um, and then uh, started my own business. Uh, uh, helping small disadvantaged businesses get business with the, the Air Force, uh, well, actually DOD. And uh, so I had people in uh, all the air logistics centers in Columbus that worked for, through me. And and, um, and then I did some studies and analysis for big companies in the Air Force. And so uh, and that's the time when I was still uh, active, or I became active with uh, uh, of course, American Legion, Air Force Association, but also um, the um, got started getting involved with the schools, right? And uh, I was even president or chairman of the uh, athletic club or something, and and uh, and then I started getting involved with uh, uh, the um, betterment committees in the city and then the zoning. So I started, you know, getting my hands involved, and then about, um, uh, well, then I kind of quit consulting and started another uh, program management job with one of the companies that were successful, and then, uh, uh, and they talked me into running for consul in '99. So became uh, uh, councilman in '99, and then I joined the Rotary Lions, and I think every committee in the in the city, <laughs> right. which I'm still on. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, but it, it's been rewarding, and uh, and then uh, I can. I ended up in 2009 
that's 10 years. And I think the only other person with 10 years in the city of Fairborn was Jim Leatherman. Okay. The only other one had 10 years, but I had two of those was a uh, uh, deputy mayor. Or they tried to get me to run for mayor, but I had right. personal reasons. And I was only here half the time going up to the lake and stuff. And so I, I couldn't do it justice. So I, I found somebody else to run that ended up being pretty good. So. Let's, uh, let's recap some of your military d- decorations. Cause I think this is a pretty impressive list. So in, you were dec- heavily decorated uh, in your military career. You have two distinguished flying crosses, two meritorious service awards, 15 air medals, a joint service commendation medal, air force commendation medal, humanitarian service medal, small arms expert ribbon, American defense forces, expeditionary medal, combat readiness medal, three longevity service medals, one National Defense Services Medal, eight Vietnam Service Medals, one Air Force Presidential Unit Citation, one Republic of Vietnam Gallantry Medal, and five Vietnam Campaign Medals. I, I can imagine you in your dress uniform with all those medals probably have, don't have a lot of room for <laughs> to put your nameplate on there, I can imagine, but that's just a testament to a stellar military career. I mean, that's... Uh, I. Uh, not being a military person, that seems like a lot. Um, and just the decoration you received as part of your military career is fantastic. I was, I was blessed because, uh, as you kind of saw what I went through, uh, I was able to uh, end up in, in uh, situations and jobs that uh, were really unique and uh, and allowed me to do those things. Yeah, you had some wonderful serendipity on some of those things, right? Like. Just, you know, you stop off in Hawaii for two days and you learn about a program that later becomes your career. And it's just some wonderful, uh, happy coincidences. God does that. He guides you. That's right. Absolutely. You just got to flow with it. I did get get nervous for you, though, at the beginning when you were talking about how you you had to do survival training. And you said you're going to the northern part of the Upper peninsula, peninsula yeah. of Michigan. I'm yeah. like, that doesn't in sound no, like a November. good scenario. Yeah. I'm like <laughs> survival training in the Northern, right. you know, part of, of Michigan in November. I don't know about that. Like, <laughs> but you said it worked out. So you mentioned some of this to your education. You've got a bachelor's of science degree in math, air science, phys ed from ball state. You have a master's of science in systems management from university of Southern California extension. Uh, you have a defense systems management a college from Fort Belvoir, Virginia, and then you have the Air Force Professional Military Comptroller School at Maxwell Air Force Base in Alabama. Um, what what was your favorite assignment that you had in the military? And I know you've had, like I said, you've had a lot of really interesting things. What was your favorite assignment? Well, it depends on like the the most exciting was the Ford Air Controller. Of I, I bet, yeah, <laughs> I bet. Uh, that's not necessarily fun. You got scared a lot too because you got right. shot at every time. <laughs> that's right, but. Uh, Probably, uh, I don't know, the, you know, you can't beat uh, flying the generals and admirals around. And the experiences you get just from that, just being around them. Um, so that was really unique. But uh, and probably the most rewarding was here at Wright-Pat, uh, you know, in the program management. Sure. And, uh, and uh, when you see the airplanes roll out uh, after you've worked on them sure. for a couple of years is... Uh, also, so I don't know. I have maybe two or three favorites. <laughs> yeah, uh, with all everything you've done, it'd be hard to pick one. I can imagine. So yeah, that's certainly fair. Um, 
you almost have a second career then, not even when you just retire from active duty. When you finish your uh, active career, you have really almost a whole other second career that you've been working on. You started to get into this. Uh, you've been, you know, you're a Lions Club member, you're a Rotarian, you're on the Downtown Fairborn Betterment Association, you're on the Green Giving Foundation Board. Um, just, I, I don't. Uh, the, I feel like it's number three, actually. It's like he, he yeah, retired. It's his third career. Right. And then, yeah. you know, you had your middle kind of career. And then it's almost like you have this entire volu- volunteering career uh, as well of, of all these other, you know, committees yeah. that, that you're a part of where you, you are now giving back to this community that that you've been a part of. And and I think it's, you know, you hear you hear this a lot of, of people who have, have been here. And, and maybe it's not just here. Maybe it's you know, people who have spent a while in their, in their community, you know, but, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to just see this pattern. I, I love when we were talking before, cause you said you basically retired, what, three times? Yeah. Maybe, maybe, even, maybe even four, like, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and I just, I thought that was interesting. And now it's, you know, while well, most people live out their retirement in relaxing ways and, and, you know, relaxing is, you know, relative to, to whatever it is for that person. But, you know, you are living it out in, in a service way. And I think that's why, you know, people respect you so much. Oh, is. Yeah. And, and it's, it's uh, I get more, you know, 100 times the time I put in, I get 100 times the benefit uh, because of, the you know, the feedback you get, the people you help, you, you know, you you know, you feel like you've helped them. Um, you know, um, I, I got rid of my political career. Well, I did run for uh, county commissioner in 2006 against Rick Perales. No kidding. That's when I found out I wasn't a politician, so I never ran again. <laughs> <laughs> so I started volunteerism. That, that, yeah. was, that was when I started my volunteer career. There you go. There you go. So, but, um, and, and uh, I still... Um, well, I'm still on the uh, Greene County uh, Airport Authority. Board. Right. I wanted to ask you a question about that, yeah. too. And that's, uh, we basically, it's like um, the, the manager, we, we, it's kind of like the consul to the, to you, the manager, yep. Yep. or the consul to the airport manager. So uh, do the policies and the, and the budgets, manage the budgets and stuff. So that's been pretty rewarding. Oh, so the, the airport has gone through some expansion recently oh, yeah. in, in partnership with the Green County Career Center. Right. Um, can you talk a little bit, being on the board, how has that, you've been on there before this happened and now after, yeah. what has that done to the, just the airport well, itself? It's really, uh, well, uh, that's helped because um, not only that, the, the, the I guess what you'd call this uh, cinema area, the uh Synergies, the synergies, synergy yeah, the synergies, is the right yeah. where I'm looking at. Yep. Uh, ended up with Sinclair College. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, have a contract with us uh, for uh, their students to fly. Wow. And then, of course, Green Green uh, Community uh, Center. Um, they uh, they're um, t- training kids uh, how to repair airplanes. Right. And. They they already have jobs when they're done. Right. And and there's like twenty five or thirty of them. Wow. And uh, and they're also having adults going in now, and so it's 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 helped create I guess a 
uh, more positive attitude around. And so, and then the Aero Club, uh, there's like 200 pilots in the Aero Club out there. Wow. And, uh, and so they also train the, um, all the Air Force um, uh, flight surgeons out there. Wow. So, uh, you know, the synergy is just keeps yeah, it's terrific. getting yeah. more and more. And so uh, it's, it's been fun to watch. Interesting. Uh, there's a couple things uh, in looking at your bio here. There's a couple things that you're some groups you're affiliated with. I have a, just have interesting questions about. You are a member of the Society of Old Crows. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Explain that to me. Uh, there's a uh, that's a group that's uh, it's there for defensive systems. Okay. So they uh, develop defensive systems. So the the Wright Patterson has a group that just looks at. Uh, uh, Radio jamming, uh, lasers, okay. all kinds of stuff. But that, that group is called the Old Crows. The Old Crows. Yeah. Society. That's that's <laughs> a wonderful name. I love it. Uh, um, as I, as I mentioned, you're on the Green Community Foundation board. You were part of the Fairborn Performing Arts and Cultural Association, which had a mission uh, way back to you were tasked with renovating the Fairborn Theater. Uh, you you know intimately how um, much of a monstrosity I'll call it that building can be uh, we've got a group now that's trying to do some repairs to it and fix it up talk about if you don't mind your time working with that group and kind of where you wanted to go and and you some of the challenges you had with it yeah you know, when it started it just a small group I just wanted to save it and then of course uh, you know and then you start looking at the cost and all that and it's right. like a couple million dollars just to, to get it up to code and so uh, we tried to start raising money, but never could get to the, the big dollars. And um, so we tried to do it piece by piece, and and just it just uh, didn't 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 come up to fruition. And then uh, of course then we uh, had the loan from the city to to put the roof on, and that we couldn't pay back. So we made you all the deal to take <laughs> right. it over, which was smart, I think, because you had the. Yeah, the professional uh, uh, talent to actually to do the job, and then of course with the Phoenix Group uh, taking over, I, I think they're doing a pretty good job. In fact, uh, if any of the listeners are, really want to get that theater going, really need their, they really need your help. So uh, absolutely, give them, a, give them a call, and uh, and uh, they need money and labor. So uh, whatever you can do will help. And we'll link to the Fairborn Phoenix as yeah. part of our show notes. But um, you did a couple things, though, with that before you before that group passed off the building back to the city. There was a mural that was located in the in the entryway, kind of in between the foyer and where the, the theater yeah, was. That was another story. That, uh, <laughs> that was a really nice piece of artwork. Uh, and you were able to work with the um, senior center to take that piece of artwork. They now have it displayed in their in their building. Uh, they uh, really came through the uh, uh, historical society. Is uh, one we couldn't figure out how it was mounted, right? And so uh, one of the uh, I think it was a secretary that uh, young gal and said, "My dad knows this artist as a, a studio that if anybody would know, he's like 84 years old. So if anybody would know, he would know." So we got in hold of him, brought him over there. He uh, got a bucket of water. And, and started peeling the corner and said, that's put on by, uh, it's just attached with uh, wallpaper paste. 
No oh, kidding. No. <laughs> and so all the, so then we got a group of guys and and uh, and uh, got a hold of uh, a um, carpet roll. We roll yep. carpet on, so we could roll the the painting on. So uh, I just uh, by hand just took the uh, water and and undone you know un pulled yeah, it, wow. pulled it off and then uh, carefully. And then rolled it up and took him to his shop, and he cleaned the whole thing. Wow! And uh, and then uh, ended up having it mounted, and uh, so we found some other guys to to mount it. Uh, the unfortunate part was uh, that was his last project. Two, oh. two weeks later, he died. Oh, You're wow. kidding! Uh, wow! So that's wow. another story. Yeah, that's <laughs> terrible. So we got him at the right time. Yeah. So and I've seen the mural. It's not. I mean, it would fill the room that we're in here. How did that get transported from where he mounted it and cleaned it back a, to the senior center? A, a truck, a it's, large truck. Right. Yeah. That is huge. And yeah. uh, it's a moving truck. Wow. Interesting. Had several guys. But what, what a cool, I mean, you know, it is, it is sad that he passed away, but what a cool project for him to work on. Yeah. I mean, if I assume he was from Fairborn. Yeah. You know, it's, that's a really cool, I mean, it, you yeah. gotta have a project to work on. I mean, that's right. It'd be one to one to work on to get to give back in that way to yeah, something. Like absolutely. Um, one of the things you did, Fred, as part of your uh, your volunteering is uh, you and I think Dr. Horton started what was what's called the Fairborn Heritage Foundation. I, explain that a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah. Well, we were trying to find a way of because uh, we already had about five or six accounts like. Uh, um, the Heritage Days, uh, we had the quilts, uh, uh, the uh, frogs, all kinds of stuff uh, uh, in, that were individually uh, managed, if you will, or tracked. And so we decided we would uh, create this umbrella under named the uh, Fairborn Heritage Foundation so that anybody in Fairborn if, uh, that needed to raise money on a worthwhile project could uh, become a, um, a part of that foundation through green giving and then they would automatically be uh, 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 certified as a 501c3 and so that they could collect money from uh, organizations and companies and that kind of thing. So uh, that's how we started that and, and, and it's been pretty successful. Uh, we've got probably at least 10 projects under it right now. Wow, fantastic. Um, part of your experience, you said after you retired from active duty is you uh, worked with disadvantaged uh, businesses uh, to help them identify and work better with the base. Uh, I think that's a question that we get a lot as the city is, you know, how can we interact more with the base? What can companies do to uh, to get access because it's you know it's a closed environment uh, on purpose right fairly so right. Uh, but talk about your experience doing that and just helping companies navigate what's got to be a pretty extensive hierarchy and bureaucracy to to do business with the yeah, base well for, for one thing just getting on base right is a one problem absolutely and then uh, and then most people didn't know there's a small business uh, office on base uh, in in area B and in area A. Okay, and then and they uh, they're supposed to be advocates for the small businesses, 
Well, of course, the, the business don't even know they're there. Right. So that's the big thing is, is going to there and then and then finding out what's going on. And, of course, in my case, I, I knew almost all the program managers or directors. Right. And so I could uh, take a company and it had a specialized uh, talent or capability. Uh, then I would go to the different uh, program directors and I'd have the president come in and talk to the director about his capabilities and how they could solve some of their problems because I would know some of their problems. Sure. Hmm. And so uh, it was pretty successful. I had, had Great. Uh, helped and a lot of companies. And it says you did that, is that the, did you have that business for 28 years? Pretty much, yeah. Well, it, there was a, uh, I start off with the uh, acquisition logistics and integration consultants, and then uh, and then in uh, retired in '85 and '86, while I was consulting, um, we may be getting in too much deal. No, you're good. We got all so, day. So uh, uh, in '86, um, I was consulting this small business won a contract at the headquarters uh, to uh, track uh, trainers all the hmm. trainers in the Air Force. Well, the problem was the Air Force, when they issued the contract, they, the company, in order to get it the second year, it was like a three or four year contract, uh, they had to bid again as a small business, as hmm. a small business set aside. Well, and I was helping them, that company make, well, then they got bought out by Ball Systems. <laughs> and. <laughs> No longer a small, no longer small, small, small business. business. <laughs> right. So then, so Ball Systems asked me, well, can you find one of these 8A companies to to be the front or, what yeah. I, you know, to team up with them? Not be a front, but be, team up with them. Well, everybody wanted 51% uh, done. Well, they had already done 70% or so. Right. And so, um, uh, so ended up that um, I, I ran out of ideas. I went home and I was, well, sitting there and I looked over to my wife and said, would you like to be a company president? <laughs> <laughs> because I couldn't be a company president because right. uh, it was uh, within a year after I'd retired and under 3030, the regulations, uh, we were buying uh, software and computers and you can't, you can't do that. Right. You can hmm. buy your services, but not, not things. actual things. I got you. So, <laughs> so we talked her into becoming the president, right. and I was her consultant. Okay. So then I rented uh, the, the office space and everything uh, through my sole proprietorship. And uh, that worked until uh, we, we got, we've gone about, no, it started in October, one October, uh, about November. I wasn't getting any pay, and so I said, uh, what's going on? And they said, well, you're going to have to have an audit. <laughs> I've thought of your books. Well, I didn't have any books, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, luckily, the uh, the uh, inspector was from Fairborn, and oh. uh, so I, and he was from a, a farm. He grew up on a farm in uh, northern uh, Ohio. So I, after I explained that I was an old country boy, milk cows, right? And, <laughs> as the dumb old pilot, and I needed some help. <laughs> uh, he took pity on me and helped me. And so we, uh, <laughs> after uh, about, he gave me three days to create documents because we, we, everything was verbal. Right. 
So I had to create documents between my wife and I. Oh, and, my gosh. And, wow. Uh, then, then she almost divorced me over this one because <laughs> <laughs> we found out that we, uh, we had classified uh, documents we had oh. to store at the oh mall gosh. systems. But in order, since we were the officers of the company, we had to have uh, sec- uh, clearance? secret clearance in right. the house oh facility. Oh, oh no. <laughs> And then she had to uh, uh, become the, the uh, security officer. Oh, oh my She had to read this two-inch book <laughs> and, and go take a test. And, uh, so oh. Actually, she could have been a good security uh, officer because uh, she was did a pretty good job. Right. <laughs> so, and we did end up hiring some, uh, we got some security clearances for some other of our, uh, our um, consultants that we hired. So, and she's the best boss you've ever had, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, <laughs> I want to talk about a couple of the, uh, you've received several awards since retiring. You are uh, a recipient of the Air Force Association Liaison Award, 1981, Logistics Management Excellent Award, 1983. Uh, I'll talk about this later. Cal's High School Hall of Fame, which is your high school. I want to ask you a question about that later. Uh, Fairborn Area Chamber of Commerce Hulesman Award. You remember the Ohio Veterans Hall of Fame, uh, the Legion of Fairborn Award, the Greene County Veterans Hall of Fame. Uh, you're the CEO of uh, Small Business, and you've got a book published, Born to Live on the Edge, which we'll link to that Amazon link so people can, can click on it here. Uh, I want to talk about um, Calts High School. So you were, I'm guessing, because knowing uh, your sons and grandson, your children are very athletic, uh, children and grandchildren are very athletic and very well decorated in the Fairborn schools. Uh, you received the, you're on the wall of fame in your high school. What was your best sport? Well, my best sport was actually, I guess I should say uh, cross country. Okay. Huh. Uh, though I, basketball was my love. And, your favorite, yeah, and your I, favorite. And I, back up because I was, you have to realize when I was a freshman, I was only 12 years old when I started. Wow. So, because I didn't go to kindergarten or anything. Sure. So they went to get rid of me, gave me out in the fields, I think. <laughs> right. But, but so I was only five foot tall and 100 pounds when I was a freshman. Really? Oh, my gosh. And then I grew six and a half inches. <laughs> and I grew four. And then I grew two more and then two more in college. So I hadn't really matured until my, my senior year. Sure. Uh-huh. So then I was the best shot in the county, but, right. but, but, the, <laughs> right. but the other three years, I wasn't anything, you know. So, uh, but cross country then, and it, it pretty much ended up the same way my senior year. I didn't lose a, a meet. Uh, wow. And until uh, the county meeting, and I broke a, a bone in my foot it was a quarter mile to go. Oh. And so I limped in, but my, my uh, classmate, uh, beat me by five seconds so i couldn't oh, no because kidding. i couldn't couldn't you know it just hurt too bad and then and then we ended up uh, uh our team ended up in state um so we we tied for fifth or seventh wow and i and i didn't i'm supposed to be the best runner and i didn't i didn't run very well because i i were getting cramps and that and that yeah i just taped that broken foot up and and wow. So uh, <laughs> I didn't do too good on the, the others where I should have been in the top five. I was probably 60 or something. Wow. So we would have, our team would have, if I would have ran my 
real race. Right. That could have. It would have been probably so five. Like, how far ahead of you, ahead of your teammate, were you if you limped in and he only beat you by five seconds? Well, he was pretty good. <laughs> he he went that right. far. You know, he's probably I don't know. I I didn't see him because I was in front. <laughs> right. Right. He was staring <laughs> at your back. <laughs> right. but, but he's usually not maybe twenty seconds behind. Maybe. So. Indiana is uh, basketball is the is a religion in Indiana almost. Um, so basketball obviously is, is your passion. Um, you know, growing up, who were, who did you look up to? Who were your who were your idols growing up? Oh, I guess I guess it has to be Larry Bird. You know, right, probably the big guy. You know, and of course we had some high school uh, uh, kids who were Mister Basketballs. But, looked up to but I, I was I was so busy uh, milking cows and uh, <laughs> worried about myself <laughs> right <laughs> but so, remember we didn't have uh, didn't have TVs and stuff until that's my, true. Uh, I didn't even have a indoor John until I was a sophomore wow. no kidding well wow. so yeah. I mean in rural Indiana I guess that's probably true yeah yeah, yeah. interesting anything we missed I, I, oh, I, I did miss something you were the Grand Marshal of the 4th oh, of July yeah. Parade this year uh, in no small part because of this body of work that you've put together and and really it's as much about what you've done after you've retired and you, all of your volunteering that you do. You drive a bus for the Senior Center. You have multiple boards and communities you're on. Um, you know, what's, what's the most rewarding part of all that for you? Well, of course, we just got uh, the Fourth of July was uh, selected as a Grand Marshal, and right. that was that was like uh, probably one of the top honors I've ever had. And uh, so, uh, you know, it's just an honor to be recognized for doing things, and uh, hopefully that influences other people. Is you know, one of the things that uh, I'd always recommend is uh, people uh, who um, find fault with what's going on in the city. Uh, you know, they put it on Facebook and Twitter. Hey, don't do that. Uh, why don't you find out who's who's working the problem and go talk to them, and uh, and and give you your ideas of. Don't complain. Just give them some good ideas of how to fix it. Right. And uh, you'll find that. Uh, and then volunteer for. Uh, you know, join the senior center. Volunteer to be a driver. That's really rewarding, and um, be a member of the uh, chamber, so you right. get to know the businesses and see what their problems are. I mean, there's all the Rotary Alliance, there's all kinds of, and churches. Uh, the churches can do a lot of things. So uh, that's my recommendation: is to go out there and volunteer. Um, speaking of volunteering, we just finished the Fourth of July, but the next big event I think that we have coming up is the Sweet Corn Festival. Mm -hmm. Mm. Which you'll be, <laughs> the look on your face when I said that was, <laughs> I'm not going to say it's one of dread, but it's a lot of work for the yeah. Lions Club to put together. Um, but it, And it is probably our largest event that we have in Fairborn all year. Um, it draws tens of thousands mm. of people to it. Um, and so, you know, and you've done that for a long uh, time. Since about 2012. <laughs> right, right. I've been actually um, in charge of it uh, of, of the Lions portion and on the committee since about 2012, yeah. So it's uh, rewarding and uh, and it's uh, a good family event. It's 
So uh, come on out and uh, come over to the Lions place and help us out and buy some buttered uh, buttered sweet corn and which is the best at the place. The sweet corn is the best, and you know just the the chicken and the sweet corn at the Lions booth is terrific. Uh, but and that's why there's always a line because uh-huh. it's it's the best thing there. Uh, but it's a wonderful event for that weekend. It's always the hottest weekend. It seems like <laughs> either in, in the dog days of August. Yeah, yeah it's either done, like it right. doesn't rain like hot right. or raining uh, or both. Yeah, right. never fails. Uh, Fred, anything that we missed? Anything that you'd like to add on that we didn't get a chance to talk to? I know you'd like to thank some people that uh, helped kind of get you where you are today. I'll give you the floor and let you let you do that. I guess the uh, the yeah the committee that uh, selector is Grand Marshal. Uh, thank you for that, and uh, that was uh, a, a surprise. And uh, and uh, well, I won't tell you what Mike Foy said. <laughs> yeah, this is a family show. Here. We'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll do an after dark episode yeah. and we can talk about that. <laughs> but yeah, it was just a, an honor. I I can't think of anything else because. Um, Pretty much covered. And anything else is in the book, right? Everything else. Yeah, buy the book. Absolutely, buy the book. Oh, there is a, a. I do have a display over in the museum, the uh, Veterans Museum. Um, oh, very cool downtown. And so, and that's a, a good spot that uh, if you're interested in the military, uh, uh, it's got uh, displays from, I think, the Confederate on up. To I believe now. so. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. So. It's another interesting place. Yeah. And they have periodic presentations. And the last one that I noticed, and whether or not it's the last one, was uh, like military headwear. Yeah. Uh, the hats, the different military. I think it was talking about the German or right. military and the different significance of the headwear, I thought was pretty that's okay. an interesting topic. Okay. I think there's another one tonight. Is it? Yeah, 6 o'clock. So Wednesday, they're, they're Wednesday nights. Um, so... Yeah, and they're free, open to the public at the Miami Valley Military History Museum. Fred, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for uh, inviting me. Yeah, I appreciate you talking to you. We bumped into you at the at 4th of July, and Megan's like, we got to get Fred on the podcast. I'm like, why haven't we thought about this before now? Yeah, it's, it's like. It's a, well, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, historical or people in the area that uh, have some interesting backgrounds and should, should have a lot of. Uh, candidates absolutely absolutely and you know i think just the as i told you before your your story and that being of you're not from here you were you served in the air force you served through right pat and then chose this as your home uh, is not unique but it's a testament to how people feel about fairborn like you decided to make this a home where you raised your family Uh, your family raised their family here so it's it's a just a testament to what fairborn has to offer that People continue to do that. Yeah, and there's there are several uh, military retirees that have done the same thing. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Leathermans and mayors and several. Yeah, just a couple. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks and for I, being here. And I, was, and I was right after hearing your story. I once again, I'm like, I have done nothing. <laughs> right, I feel inferior. I know. Right? It's really. Yeah. <laughs> so I do have a question. Do you still do any flying? No. No. I, I could have, I think about 2015, I, I had a um, uh, a flight uh, that I, I was actually getting paid for, for the, the uh, Air Force labs. Okay. And uh, so I was a target airplane for uh, testing uh, video cameras. 
hmm. for the unmanned air vehicles. So I would fly head-on passes and stuff. And, and so the uh, one of my last missions was uh, I had a, um, a student from Wright State come out that had never flown before, and he was running the computer and to track where the other airplane was so we wouldn't run into each other. You know? <laughs> right. So, so, uh, so I was showing him, you know, how to pre-fly it, and and so uh, and the door on the, our airplane was on the right where he was sitting, and so I had him close the door and it's supposedly locked. I get to take off and rotated and the door pops open. Oh no. Oh my. <laughs> of course it didn't completely open just a little bit, but the sound was terrible. So that's okay. We'll come back around. And so I come up and I'm talking him through it. Right. So, and, um, so I come down and I'm flare and, uh, it's okay. Here we just pull back. And, and, uh, about that time, uh, uh, somebody on the radio comes up and says, gear up, gear up. And I looked down, it was mine. The gear was up. I oh. almost landed gear oh, up. Oh, no. <laughs> so I put the gear down real quick, pushed the power in, and, uh, so, and got it locked. And so I went ahead and landed and came around and locked the door and took off and went, finished it. Managed. I come back and you know to the uh, airport manager and say, well, who was that that made the call? Because... It wasn't a control airport. Right. There ain't any radio, anybody out there. Well, that was me. I was just uh, the first time in about three years I've ever been out to the look at the airport. And I just happened to be checking it out. And I saw you, saw the gear up. And so I made the call. I said, well, you know, I'll, I'll take you out to dinner, whatever you want. You <laughs> right. <know>? Save my <laughs> butt. Right. And uh, so um, um, he said, well, uh, you're too damn uh, lucky," he said. Uh, the next, uh, about a minute later, I went to make another radio transmission, and my battery was dead. Oh, oh my gosh! gosh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I've been blessed, and uh, I don't think the kid ever knew what was happening. <laughs> you didn't know how close he came to <laughs> having a bad day. Yeah. Uh, wow. Do you play any lottery numbers by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> I think my That's nine terrific. my nine lives are. Getting close to running out. <laughs> wow. Well, thanks again for being yeah. here. That's uh, that's terrific. We're going to talk about a few project updates here. Welcome to, to weigh in on anything that we have to right. talk about. And okay. you're certainly welcome to do that. We just have a few things. We're, we're past 4th of July. Past 4th of uh, July. So this was the first year that the, the events were held exclusively at Community Park. And, you know, there's a lot to learn when you, when you try yeah. to do that. Um, trying to make it a two-day event. Uh, for the the vendors, I think is is the positive out of there. There was some question about the why things were arranged the way they were, right? Uh, and I want to make sure everybody understands. So we, uh, because we have fireworks at the Fourth of July that get set up several days before the they actually get right. fired off, we have to establish what's called a fire line, whereas it's a line that nobody can get inside of because there's a danger for accident and right. tragedy, right? So we set the event up in a way that the vendors were essentially the fire line. So couldn't get behind those vendors to get into the rest of the park because it was dangerous to do that. So people that were asking why we set it up the way we did, we set the vendors on that side because we wanted to make sure that they were the the line of demarcation and then everything happened in front of them. Right. Um, It, you know, it, 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 so it had an, if when I'm speaking over my words here, when it wasn't a very full crowd, it did look a little sparse because right. there's a long distance between where the vendors were 
and where the food trucks were. But I'll tell you, on the 4th of July, when it's absolutely jam-packed, it's it was, you know, there was no room to move right. uh, in that area. So uh, if you were wondering why we set up the way we did, that's it. Um, it was an easy way to help uh, maintain some safety, but also uh, put the event, you know, in a way that, that made sense. And I'll tell you that I was there, it got rained on Monday <laughs> and uh, got really hot on Tuesday. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful event. Great music. A lot of people both days and the fireworks were terrific. They were fantastic. And I will say that I think, you know, next year, hopefully we'll have more vendors. And I think that will maybe eliminate some of the empty feeling. Um, yeah. So I, I just, again, I think, you know, in retrospect, there will be some things that, you know, we'll look at next year and sure be a little different. So again, first year at community, I think, you know, there were a lot of hiccups. There were a lot of hiccups this year anyway with lots of things. So I think, right. but I think we'll be all right. And the other thing that I had suggested I thought was pretty good was if, if as long as it's on the fourth is on the, um, uh, or the third is on the uh, weekday, is maybe start at four, right? Instead, yeah. of, two. instead of two, yeah. yeah. Because the people are still at work, and right? Yep. Yeah, and I, I think we kind of underestimated that because, like, at two o'clock, nobody. I mean, it's right. it was dead. Yeah, it was, so. and so I felt bad when we announced you as the yeah. <laughs> as the uh, grand marshal of the parade. There was you know a handful of people there, so we asked you to come back. Thankfully, you stayed and got to introduce you to a bigger crowd. But yeah, yeah that's a great idea. If I think if we start a little bit later. Uh, and we've seen this even on our downtown events. Right. So Bluegrass and Brew, which is a wonderful segue, will be uh, August 4th. We're, while the event starts at 4, meaning that everything will be open and operating, the music doesn't start until about 6.15, right. uh, which gives people a chance to get home, uh, maybe change clothes, pick up a loved one, and come on down. Yep. Uh, but we are excited for Bluegrass and Brew this year. Uh, Joe Mullins and the Radio Ramblers once again helped us market this event, helped us book the bands. Uh, and are starting to promote it on on WBZI yep. and their channels. So we hope to have a bigger crowd. I'll tell you, this year we'll have more sound than we did last year. We yes. weren't expecting the crowd that we got. Uh, last year. Yep. Rhonda Vincent was a huge hit, and we brought more people there than we thought we would need, so the sound needed a boost. Yeah. <laughs> so we're boosting the sound this year. So anybody that comes down, no matter where you sit, should be able to hear the music loud and clear uh, because it's a wonderful lineup. Yeah, so we have Joe Mullins. He's kicking it off. Then we have the Slocan Ramblers. Uh, they're going to play after Joe. And then the last band headliners are the Traveling McCrories. Traveling McCrories. Yeah. Traveling McCrories. So they're from Canada, right? Slocan Ramblers are from Canada. The Slocan Ramblers they're the are from Canada. They're the top band in Canada. That's right. Uh, so the Traveling McCrories, uh, they are interesting because I did some research on them. <laughs> they, they have. Uh, Played with Dirks Bentley. Uh, it is Dirks Bentley, right? That's mm -hmm. the name. Uh, but they also have jammed on stage with Fish. Wow. And they have done a um, like a, a mix CD uh, to the tunes of like the Grateful Dead and Jerry Garcia. Oh, interesting. So. Yeah. And, and the band is formed. And it's a bluegrass of, band. The, the band's form. So the band's uh, is all the all the sons of Del McCrory. Yeah. Del McCrory is a very famous bluegrass musician. I'm still out and performing occasionally. Yeah. Um, and these are his sons that decided to get together and, and create a band. And they're terrific. I mean, 
Um, yeah, it's going to be another huge event. Yeah, so it's great it's they've jammed fun. with some legends, right? I know. There was another one that I put in the event description that they've also been on stage with and, and played with. It was Fish and then somebody else I didn't know. It was weird. So that's going to be August but, 4th. Yeah. Um, it's a Friday. It's, you know, if, uh, food trucks. if you get off, yeah, if you get off of food trucks, beer garden, bring a chair, bring a friend. Um, it'll be on Main Street, like always, yeah. free and open to the public. So come on down. And then this really starts our event season, really, once we get past. <laughs> I, feel uh, I don't count the events we've had so far. I got rained out to be events yeah, necessarily, but uh, the weather's not been kind to us. Uh, but we start with uh, Bluegrass and Brew in August. Uh, after that, in later in August, we'll mention the Sweet Corn of, uh, Festival, which is uh, August nineteenth and twentieth. Yep. Um, so that's a wonderful event, not a city event. We certainly help, but that's put on by the Lions Club and the Fairborn Art Association. Yep. Uh, that put that together, and that's a that's really the signature event in Fairborn. You've talked yep. to anybody that's uh, you mentioned Fairborn a lot of times if they've not been here. Oh, is that where they do that corn festival? So that's all. That's also in August, and then yep. September rolls around, and we start uh, the. First thing we do in September is Hairborn. Hairborn. Uh, we have some cr- a crazy lineup for Hairborn again this year. Uh, it is a free event this year, so we're doing it differently. We're going to do Correct. it like Bluegrass and like uh, the other events we do downtown. You don't need to buy a ticket. It's going to be right on Main Street, and it's going to be probably bananas, I'm guessing, because it's a uh, the first person that's going to perform is Donnie Baker, who's with the Bob and Tom Show. He's a stand-up comedian. If you listen to Bob and Tom, you know who Donnie Baker is. Yeah. He's going to do a little comedy routine, which I know isn't rock and roll, but I think it'll draw a crowd. Uh, the next band is Bronson Arroyo, if you're familiar with Reds baseball. Uh, he's a former Red Red Sox and Reds pitcher. I don't count him the Red Hopefully Sox. Hopefully he's a better singer than a pitcher, Rob. He was a good pitcher. Bite your tongue, Megan. <laughs> you're too young to know who Bronson Arroyo is. Uh, whatever. I know who Bronson Arroyo is. He was is. a good pitcher. Uh, if he's half as good a singer as he was a pitcher, we're in good shape. Okay. He's terrific. All right. Um, and then the final act <laughs> and the headliner is that arena rock show. rock show. And I happened to catch them in Springfield last week, and they are only getting better. <laughs> we had them two years ago, and they're only getting better. So that's going to be a, a terrific show. And then at, right after them, the next day, is the Air Force Marathon craziness. That's right. So we're doing Hairborne differently. We, we had it on Saturday last year. Correct. The same day as the marathon. As you can understand, logistics with putting a marathon together Insane. are very difficult. And so we wanted to be clear of all of that on Saturday uh, and not have to worry about when to start and that uh, awkwardness of trying to wait for them to clean up and so on. Right. So Friday night's going to be rocking. And then you can come out, carb up with a couple of beers at the beer garden and then I don't think that's there. how that works. Uh, I'm I mean, not a runner. It, it I'm can. not a runner. It, so I don't know. It can, but that's not really how it works. Right. Or hit did some did of the you ever truck. carb up with beer to run? No, afterwards. Oh, okay. There See, the afterwards. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't think that's how that so works. So run the 5K and then come down to Hairborn. Uh, that's and, fair. And afterwards, and you'll be fine. Yeah, so, okay. Uh, so that's that's the first part of September. Uh, then roll into October, and there's a Friday the 13th in October. Right. Uh, which we have decided, since we're Halloween Town, we're going to own Friday the 13th, yep. and so we have another event. Uh, this time it's in October, so hopefully it's not. It's just maybe just cool. Cool. Uh, but that's going to be a 90s grunge theme. Or just 90s. Or just 90s. We'll call it 90s grunge. Megan, can, you remember the 90s? I do. I lived through the 90s. Okay. Fully. Right. That was my era. School? That was my era. School in the 90s, yes. Like, I get it. I was 10 when it started, right. and I graduated high school when it ended. 
So uh, we've got and the, and the, <laughs> not to make you feel old or anything. And the great part about so we're doing Friday the thirteenth, and then the exact next, next weekend, weekend is the uh, Halloween festival. Chamber of Commerce's Halloween festival, and um, that time of year anyway is if you come downtown. Car show. Oh, that's right. That's the, a, car the car show. show the Sorry. yeah. That's in August. That's no September. 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 It's right after the marathon. It's right after the marathon. So that's we right. have Hairborn, the marathon, and then the car show. Like. Those three days. It's a Fairborn weekend. It is. Uh, and Downtown. We, the interesting, uh, Fred, I think you've done the Heels for Heroes <laughs> as the fundraiser. Uh, that's a My wonderful thing. My wife made me quit this year. I, I, I've only done it once, and then apparently I'm not allowed to do it again. It, it was a lot of fun, uh, and it's a wonderful organization. It's Operation Fairborn Cares, who raises money for uh, post-9-11 veterans that need some assistance. And so this is a fundraiser for them, and the theme of it or the idea of it is uh, if you are a, a male, you put on uh, women's heels. shoes, put on high heels. If you're a female, then you put on some combat boots and you race up and down Central Avenue. Uh, now, usually the senior center has a stacked team of, I'll call them youngins, younger people uh, that can run like nothing. So that's usually, but it's a lot of fun anyway. Uh, great cause, uh, great event. Uh, Fred, I know you always, you've, you've been in the last several years I've seen and you know, go with the theme and I've seen you in grass skirts and yeah. it's, it's always a good time. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, and it's a wonderful fundraiser for that, that organization. So I'm sorry, I forgot. Yeah. Thanks for reminding us about the car show. Uh, and then they get 300 cars uh, on main street. Yeah. It's, it's really incredible. Uh, the, the number of cars and some very unique and interesting things. So um, if you like car shows, please come out for that. Yeah. We did October. Halloween, we get and, a then, break. and then we're done until Christmas. So the first Friday in December, we do our Christmas tree lighting, and then we'll do um, some events downtown along with that. There's some exciting things happening at the old Fifth Third Bank this year that I'll wait to announce. There's a little tease uh, for that, but we're uh, there's a group that's putting together something pretty exciting for the, for the residents of Fairborn uh, that I think will be really interesting. So cool. we are in uh, full-blown mode for... Um, uh, events. A couple other things that happened before the 4th of July parade, we raised the flag in downtown yeah. on the new flagpole. Uh, that went really well. I need to thank the uh, the veterans organizations who are part of that. We had the American Legion. Uh, we had the VFW. I believe we had the AMBETS uh, represented there as well. Uh, they all came and helped uh, unfurl the flag, helped raise the flag, uh, stood at attention uh, while the flag was going up, and then the Fairborn Civic Band uh, in Gary Johnson's direction did the really Star Spangled Banner immediately after very short and sweet but it, it looks nice now having a flagpole back in downtown uh w- was hoping to get a little gust of wind as they were putting that thing up there but it, it was not a windy day uh, so but it's still it's it's uh that flag looks really good up there and it's good to have that back yeah, yeah it's a, lot like, of, a lot of people are glad that happened yeah it and you know it took a little while to determine what to do there and and uh, with the Veterans Memorial Group breaking ground at uh, where they're going to put their new memorial, we we're able to collect all of the granite, the granite pieces, uh, hand that over to that group so that they can install that uh, at the new Veterans Memorial, which I think will be a, a good uh, a good way to transition to that new that new park. So uh, that was that was a good thing. I didn't realize how much like I miss seeing it until. Like you drive now and like when I go home from work, you can like see it waving across like the treetop, like heading south on Central Avenue. It's like, oh, like it's just such a nice like scenery. It's, I don't know, just kind of gives it just, it completes like the downtown view. It just. 
That's right. I don't know. It just looks really nice. So, yeah. Um, good job to our guys. Yeah, well, we really appreciate the um, Parks and Rec and Public Works yeah. helping put that together. Trim's property maintenance did the concrete work around the base, and that looks terrific. Yeah. They did a really nice job doing that. So uh, we were able to do that with very little disruption. That, and the majority of that was paid for from the insurance claims from, unfortunately, the people that hit the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we were able to uh, not spend a, there were a, a few dollars that we had to spend of city coffers to cover some extra things that we did, uh, but very minimal cost. Um, most of that was paid for by the insurance claims from yeah. the folks that hit the pole and hit the monument. So I want to make sure people understood that as well. So um, anything else we got coming up, Megan? That's a, I don't think so. Uh, we're, I mean, it's probably, if but if you're listening to this, it's probably Thursday. You missed a farmer's market yesterday, Yeah. Uh, but we'll have farmer's markets are every Wednesday. And then the last Wednesday of the month mm-hmm. is a night market that has extra food trucks and some other things. Um, should be. And so we are in farmer's market mode until October. Yep. Anything else? I don't think so. Fred, thank you for no. being here. Appreciate it. Interviewing. Go buy his book. Time. Please buy his book. And uh, anybody, I mean, yeah. That's all I could say. Buy the book because uh, there's a lot to know. He's had an amazing life and and done some amazing things and continues to volunteer and do amazing things in the community. So appreciate you. Yeah. Appreciate you being here. Thanks, Fred. And that's it. We'll see you around town. I'm still trying to.